that the commitment of traders report would list. They are the biggest traders in every instance, the commercial banks versus the hedge funds. In 2020, that changed out of nowhere. A third group of reportables titled The Others came out of、uh, really out of nowhere and began to change the narrative on COMEX.、Uh, in silver, over 300 million ounces delivered off of COMEX. Now that's 10 years worth of deliveries. That's a whole decade's worth of deliveries delivered to this third reportable group called The Others. They're thought to be sovereign wealth funds, mostly in family offices. Let's just call them. The most influential, well-informed, and wealthy private investors. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at MilesFranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. But I want to talk about the silver shortage because it's a very serious thing that we could be. And I know we've been talking about this for a while. I've had you know Michelle White Dove. I just love her, and she's been right on almost everything she does. She's right, and she's talking that this fall. I mean, there will be a silver shortage at some point here. She never knows timing, but it's going to happen. What?、Uh, and the indicators are all saying that yes, this is going to happen. What are you seeing? Well, first you can you can look at you know up from the very very top. Yeah, the U.S. Mint who publicly came out and said due to the silver shortage globally that they were having a hard time securing blanks for their product. Even more startling than that was the former head of the U.S. Mint, Ed Moy, came out and publicly said、uh, that basically there are more contracts issued on Comex than there are bars behind it. Sound familiar? And he's great. I've had him on my show a bunch of times. He's a he's the real deal. But keep going. Yeah, well, this is a guy maybe that now that he's not wearing his、uh, U.S. Mint hat, he's trying to clear his conscience and. And you know he basically is saying the price would be much higher if it weren't for naked shorting. He publicly came out and said that. When we look at the facts, here are the facts.、Uh, right now, globally, silver is coming out of the ground at a seven to one ratio to gold. Seven ounces of silver mined for every one ounce of gold. Yet, if you divide the price of silver into the price of gold, you get almost seventy to one. You could argue it's ten times. Undervalued. Over the past two years, we've seen roughly 850 million ounces of silver mined per year. Yet the world has demanded over one billion ounces each year. And this is before we enter a new phase of green and digital technology and products and services and and edicts that will、um, move away from the combustion engine and move into new green and digital applications. Where we have the chip shortage, <clears throat> yeah, already. Absolutely. Well, and and you know, some people say that's partly to do with with silver, as you need silver inside of all of these chips. But look, the bottom line is simply this: is that you're dealing with a depleted asset in nature, where only of that 800 plus million ounces, there are only 30 percent of it, or or roughly 250 million ounces of silver, come from dedicated silver mines. The rest of it, 70 percent,、uh, or 550, 60 million ounces, come from 
byproduct mining of other metal. In other words, if it were such a, a robust uh, supply in nature, you would see more than just 30% of all the silver coming to market from primary silver companies. In fact, the, there are only a handful of primary silver miners for that reason, because silver is found in nature very close to the surface in a form called epithermal. So the big deposits were found decades ago. And, and so you're dealing with a depleted asset, one that has massive use cases, expanding use cases. But here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, there's a gentleman named Steve St. Angelo, and his website is srsrocco.com. And he's, he's a really good analyst who bases a lot of what he talks about upon energy depletion and how it affects everything else. And he showed a chart that going back 20 years where uh, basically he shows the, um, the supply is starting to come down like this. It, it, it peaked a couple years ago and is coming down. But that 20-year chart showed 80% of all the silver mined or more all of those 20 years was applicable to industrial uses. Uh, and now, over the last year and a half, it's flip-flopped with over 80% due, uh, being uh, sold to monetary uses because there's been a, an awakening globally, and a, a renaissance, if you will, of what silver really offers and how all of the other assets out there at their all-time highs factored against the lowest interest rates in human history, yet silver is trading just barely above its 1980 peak of $50. It's maybe the most undervalued asset on the planet, and one that has more uses than just about any other commodity is being accumulated by the biggest money in the world, 10 years worth of deliveries last year, and more than that so far this year in terms of you know, where we are in that cycle with 200 million being delivered through half the year, you're talking about an, an asset class that is being misdirected by price and accumulated by the biggest money in the world. Not just monetarily, we have an expansion in green and digital uses. I play golf with a guy down here in Florida who owns a Chevy dealer, and he's, I asked him about electric vehicles. I said, you know, I, I see the, the new Hummer and the Ford F-150 and I said, are we going away from combustion engines? He said, yes, we for sure are. And uh, this is a guy that owns a dealership down here in Florida. He says, we are totally moving to electric. So you have all of these applications that are vitally in, in need of silver, um, and that hasn't really caught on to the price on top of the green issue and on top of a, a real renaissance globally in monetary investment. Last year was our biggest year ever, Sarah. And, you know, we did about $600 million in sales of which over 90% of it was silver. So from, an, from a monetary standpoint, from a retail standpoint, the demand that we see in this entire industry for silver is nowhere near reflective of the price, nor is the need for it industrially or the depleted and depleting uh, silver supply in nature. You put it all together, it could not, you couldn't ask for a better backdrop for an investment, and yet the price hasn't moved, and, and it reeks of desperation. It reeks of desperation. We got Cliff High saying years ago it's supposed to go up to 700. He's like, it should go to 700. Now, what do you think? Is it possible that it could go to 700? Look, uh, I think. I've learned over 31 years in this industry that bull markets go higher than anyone thinks possible and bear markets fall further than anyone thinks possible. Case in point, when I started in 1991, the Dow Jones was 2100 and the Nikkei 
in Japan was nearly 40,000. And Japan owned Rockefeller Center and Pebble Beach, and they made better engines and better anything that, that was electronic or had an engine. They, they were better than anyone in the world. And they were buying up all of our landmarks. And, and everyone thought they were taking over the world. And, and yet here we are, uh, you know, 30 years later with their interest rates being at or near zero the whole time. And their Nikkei is not even two thirds of what it was 30 plus years ago. And at the same time, the Dow Jones has gone from 2100. And the first conference I went to that year in 1989, one gentleman said it would go to 10,000 and was laughed off the stage. And here we are. And it's, you know, it's gone up 15 fold. In other words, no one saw that coming. And so I guess the bottom line is, is that markets go higher than anyone ever thinks possible to be up and, and full, fall further to the down. And uh, let, let's just talk numbers for a minute. Well, and, uh, and I want you to talk numbers, but also as you explain this, is it possible for them to hold that number down or does the, the floodgates get, the pressure gets so strong that it just, they can't hold it anymore? No, they won't be able to hold it because the only way you can successfully manipulate a market over a period of time is to push it in the direction that it is going. And when you see all these expansive uh, use cases that are growing by the day and the monetary realization that all assets are full-blown overvalued, maybe with the exception of silver being the most undervalued asset on the planet, I do not think that you can hold it back. When we talk about numbers, if we take uh, silver or gold right now, let's call it $1,800 and divide it by seven, that's $257 an ounce. Why do I choose seven? Because my friend um, and, and CEO of First Majestic Silver Company, Keith Newmeyer, has told me personally on several occasions and publicly, now he's saying all over the internet, that what is globally coming out of the ground is seven to one, meaning seven ounces of silver for every ounce of gold. So, But gold is underpriced. Everything in terms of these monetary assets are underpriced because what it does is it shines a light upon the BS that is the dollar. And So let's say the gold is underpriced by four times. Is that possible? When you look at the amount of money creation, absolutely it is. And... So it could very well be that Cliff's High 700 could be conservative. Well, here's the deal. Look, ask yourself this question. You know, I talk about this a lot, and I talk about it a lot because I think it's between the Belt Road and Rail Initiative and the reclassification of gold through Basel III, the two biggest events in my career, not even close. Why would the Bank of International Settlements, which is the central bank or central bank, reclassify gold as the only other tier one asset in the world, reserve asset? Why? That's riskless. It's as good as cash. It's the same thing as a million dollars in cash if you have a million in gold, according to the central banks. Why would they do that? So when you see a country like China, who is the largest importer of gold in the world, the largest producer of gold in the world, uh, they don't sell an ounce. When you see all the central banks repatriating their gold from the New York Fed and the Bank of England and accumulating it copiously, is gold undervalued? Absolutely it is. And what is the reason they reclassified it as tier one? Because I believe that after destroying confidence and, and also value, really, in currency, um, they have no choice, really, but to... Um, introduce a new system where gold is pegged to a new currency system. And I think the Chinese, if, 
if if they were not the first one to to introduce it on their new digital yuan, I would be surprised. But the bottom line is this: if you take a step back and say, why after 80 years of it just being the dollar would they bother with gold? Why not make it SDR, special drawing rights from the Bank of International Settlements, or why not make it uh, the euro or the yen or or whatever? Why choose gold? And then look at all of the acquisition and the and the the uh, repatriation by the biggest money in the world, and now the deliveries off of Comex by the by the others, all falling in line with this progression, this timeline that I've seen over the past four years, where the biggest money in the world is de-dollarizing, accumulating commodities, shedding dollars, quietly doing so. And it started first with the, the central banks, and now it's moving to the private investors, the big ones, who are draining Comex. And they're also draining the London Metals Exchange on something called exchange for physical. You're also seeing the commercial banks pull gold and silver out the backside of the ETFs. The biggest money in the world is accumulating metal because I believe it will be pegged to a new world reserve currency somehow. And that's why you got guys like uh, Jim Rickards and Jim Sinclair saying gold will go to 10 or 15,000 an ounce and never come back down. Because if they let it rise and then pegged a portion of the dollar or this new digital yuan to gold, pegged it to it, not redeemable or convertible, but pegged with the veracity of the gold, the legitimacy of it, held maybe in, a, in, in, a, in, in Swiss vaults audited by big auditing companies, and the veracity uh, that would be denoted uh, immutably on a, on a distributed ledger. Where do you think they think that they're going to set it in their minds? I have no idea where they would set it. But if I had to guess, it would be higher than people think possible. And then I think they would only... What is Jim Rickard saying? I think he says ten or 15,000, maybe 15,000. And, uh, and, and he also talks about it by dividing, I think, uh, the, the money supply or the debt by the number of, of ounces of gold that we have at, at Fort Knox. <clears throat> and he comes up with this huge amount of money. The only problem is that gold at Fort Knox hasn't been audited since 1955. But and is it really there? I asked Ed Moy that question. That he was, say? if I tell you the truth, he goes, if I tell you the truth, I'm going to have to kill you. He was kidding around. But um, he said, yeah, it's there. But I don't know. I don't, you know, can you believe it? I, who knows? No, and, and I think a guy like him, that's a line that you probably can't cross unless you want to end up like it joke. absolutely is. And, and, and so, look. His know, joke was serious, I, actually, I think. Yeah. But keep going. No, I just, I think that that, um, that they won't make it uh, convertible or redeemable, but maybe they'll peg 20% of every new dollar or every new digital you want, peg it by 20 or 30 or 40% to gold. And so that still gives them latitude. So if 20% of every dollar or every digital you want had gold backing at a certain level, then yeah, uh, why not? Now you have you have given instant credibility to a new system because even if they issue a digital Fed dollar, nothing changes. It's still fiat. And so, in order to give it credibility, credibility that will be embraced by by a world that has has been snake bitten by fiat currency in a printing press, um, I think it's the only way that they will ever get that credibility back. And maybe that is why they reclassified gold four years ago. Maybe that is why the central banks and the private big, big money, the, the, the sovereign wealth funds and the, the commercial banks are all voraciously accumulating gold. Hell, 
JP Morgan, even after paying a $920 million fine, has amassed personally over a billion ounces of silver. That's 10 times what the Hunt brothers tried to buy and over 30 million ounces of gold. All told, it's the largest single position of metal the world has ever seen, accumulated by a company that has held down the, the price forever in order to achieve this goal. Now, look, uh, if I had to really put a, a guess behind it, I would say that these companies are manipulating the price by, um, by government uh, decree, that they have been given yeah. to do this on behalf of the U.S. government. Um, and maybe it's a deal struck with China. It's too huge of a move that they're making that we, to just for the government to just ignore this and let it go on is is too reckless if it's not planned. Of course. And and so, look, I mean, silver is a very strategic metal. There's 500 ounces of it in the tip of every Tomahawk cruise missile. It's needed yep. uh, in, in a in a you know indispensable manner for everything from military to water purification to solar power to batteries and and the list goes on and on and on. What would happen if it went to a conservative 257 ounces based on just the seven to one ratio where gold's at? What would happen to inflation and to all of our electronics and everything else? What would it do to the economy? I don't know that it would. I don't know that that would do a tremendous amount. I think, in essence, you see that type of value against a falling dollar, which would have a bigger impact because silver is called yep. what's called inelastic, right? Inelastic means you need it because it's it doesn't matter what the price is because you need it, and so the demand is inelastic, meaning that if you use a hundredth of an ounce in an iPhone or an iPad or you need a little bit uh, to make a motherboard for a, a, a flat screen TV or a computer monitor. It doesn't, you really don't care what the price is. You need it no matter what. And in such small amounts, yeah, it raises the cost a little bit. By, but, but not a lot. By, not a lot by individual products. So you need it. And I think that this gets back to what I was going to say to you earlier, that Rising metals prices signals problems with the currency. So in essence, as gold and silver go higher, it's that, it acts like a short on the dollar. It's shedding a light on the fragility of the dollar. And as the dollar starts to, to fall and, and inflation starts to rise and interest rates start to rise, the whole edifice collapses because it used to be, Sarah, that stocks and bonds were inversely correlated, but because interest rates have been held so artificially low, they've lost their inverse correlation. In fact, you could put real estate in there too. And if interest rates rise, which God forbid they don't want them to rise, uh, you end up with the trifecta That's worse. stocks, bonds, and real estate all collapse. And you know, the, the, the situation is that, you know, not to mention the mountain of tips bonds that are sold, which are treasure, uh, they're the treasury inflation uh, protracted security, something along those lines, or they're supposed to uh, to take into account the, the, uh, the uh, cost of inflation as measured by the CPI, but the CPI is crap. You are saying that they don't, food prices are rising. Well, food's not included in the CPI, nor is the cost of energy. Two of the biggest the biggest culprits of inflation, energy and, and food, and yet... That's why they straight face say, I don't want to cut you off, but that's why they're straight face saying that inflation isn't going up. Well, it's because you don't count food and energy. <clears throat> Not only that, the bigger reason is that 
the Fed is buying the back end of the bond market, and which is pushing interest rates lower because they say, well, the bond market doesn't believe in inflation. In fact, the bond market is signaling transitory because the the, in, the bond price or the um, the rates, inflation rate, the coupon, the yield is coming down. In other words, it's fallen by 60 basis points in a month. That's a huge amount, right? And so uh, if inflation were rampant, you'd see higher interest rates. But the question needs to be asked, who in the hell in their right mind would buy 10-year treasuries right now earning 1.1% when by their own lying numbers, the CPI, which doesn't include many of the things that are really inflating, um, they're at 5.5% in the month of June. So you're guaranteed in that analogy, to lose uh, 3.7 or 3.8% compounding year over year for 10 years. You're guaranteed. Who in their right mind would do that? And, you know, John Williams from Shadow Stats was on Kitco the other day and said inflation's at 13.5%, real inflation. And all he does is calculate the numbers the way that they used to be calculated under previous administrations before guys like Greenspan and Paulson and uh, – um, Robert Rubin and Lawrence Summers, all these guys changed the way the CPI is measured to fit an inflation-adjusted agenda. And, and so if you really do have inflation at 13%, which seems much more believable to me, uh, and you factor that against a 1% or 1.1% uh, return on a 10-year treasury, which is considered the benchmark, in that example, you're losing, uh, what, 12.4% per year guaranteed year over year for 10 years compounding. And so the, <laughs> the point Smart of this, investment. who in their right mind would do that? So when we talk about what they are doing to blur the reality, that is exactly what they're doing. They're buying the back end of the bond market. They're keeping interest rates low. They are citing inflationary metrics that are crap. They have to show it's gone up a bit, but certainly not reflective of what it is. And they pull out the things, they change the things that are uh, inflating. And so, you know, when we talk about what that really ultimately means, it, it means that if interest rates rise, everything collapses. And there are there is only one asset class, to my mind, that is inversely correlated both to the U.S. stock market and to the U.S. dollar any longer in that, and those are precious metals. So when we talk on this show about buying gold and silver, Sarah, I never would tell your listeners to buy to get rich. The interesting thing about maybe this market uh, that you know is is different from other bull markets um, is is that this is a market that um, you know can make you rich, but it also may save you from a disaster in your other and your other investments. It's a great investment right now. It's so crazy. If And I tell people, even if you have a hundred bucks, get some silver. Silver is the poor man's gold. And if you have some money, get into the market just to save you. Because if the whole dollar collapses, what are we going to do? I mean, you have to have some silver. Just if you have a couple thousand dollars, I mean, put money into silver because it's going to protect you and your family. I think it's one of those things that you have to have. I bottom line, and it's not us just trying to tell people because it it's so important right now. And the thing is that's sad is everything's pointing to the fact that it's important. And because the powers that be are lying, 
to the degree they're lying, people don't know what to believe. So how do we get, how do we convince people to just to calm down and have some rational thought here? Because that's what you've been trying. You've been screaming at the top of your lungs, essentially, what all the most powerful, most sophisticated investors are doing. And the, the conventional wisdom is always follow those investors. So, you know, just be rational and realize that that's what they're doing. And you're not, this isn't snowing anybody. This is the truth. No, you're right. And I, a lot of people think I'm talking my book, which I'm not. Let me just say one other thing you mentioned about food prices. I was reading an article just the other day on Zero Hedge and there there was a, a, a gentleman on the, uh, uh, who wrote an article. He's one of the uh, CEOs of one of the biggest food wholesalers in, in North America. And his last name was Castamidius or what have you. And he says uh, that the rising cost should mean an outstanding 10 to 14 percent specific increase in grocery prices by October. My sister-in-law buys the food for uh, a major school district in Illinois, Chicago area. And she's saying that the food inflation prices on some items are like 45, 55%. And that it is really significant. So, you know, here's the bottom line to all of this. I was reading an article uh, written by Alan Greenspan, and it was in the Financial Times not too long ago. And here's another guy, I think, who's trying to clear his conscience before he leaves. Uh, and he said that uh, Fed Chairman Powell wants to increase asset prices and, and uh, because this, this is the wealth effect. And, and he admitted that the Fed is out to lower the value of the dollar. And the idea, they, he said, involves injecting money into the bond market. Sounds familiar. In an effort to get asset prices up. Sounds familiar. And keep interest rates low. Here again, sounds familiar. The logic that he said is that the, high, the higher asset prices make people feel richer and more inclined to spend money. And, and I guess I would say if that were the case, Zimbabwe would, Zimbabwe would have been the richest nation on the earth a long time ago. But yeah. I see a massive dollar inflation coming as a byproduct, Sarah, of a massive dollar devaluation. The dollar is going to collapse. Inflation is going to go, go up. And what it all boils down to is that I see a future where my three children will not have a better life than, than I have had. And I hope I'm wrong, but I think if you, if you save in dollars right now, you're dead. And, you know, like I said, uh, Williams is, is calculating it at 13.5%. And, and, and I read his article and his argument was, look, the, 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 the most basic measure of, of money creation is M1, which they used to have M2 and M3. M3 was always the broadest measure of the money supply, but they got rid of those two, uh, those two um, uh, numbers in an effort to keep people guessing what the money supply looked like. But it's up 80% M1, 80% from its pre-pandemic levels. And the Fed's not about to pull back. They can't. The system's too unstable. And this is a very difficult situation that we find ourselves in. So <clears throat> this is about wealth and not making money. It's about keeping what you've worked your whole life to, to obtain. And you're right. If it's just a couple ounces every few weeks, when you get paid, pay yourself first, get ahead, get out of dollars, mitigate like the big money, mitigate your exposure to the dollar. Like the big money has been doing for the last four years, because <clears throat> we're going to wake up one morning on a Monday morning and it will be a new reality. And the big money will have repositioned because they know the playbook. And you can see that's what they are doing. It's just a question of when do they pull the plug? When do they say, okay, 
like the big bully playing Monopoly with you, who says, picks up the board and throws it and says, hell with it. I didn't like how the board was laid out. Let's start over. And that's where we're going to go. And and maybe the $100 bills, they just cross out with a red magic marker and put one on it. And there's your new your new dollar. I, I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the point of it is, is they're going to do some sort of a reset. They have to, um, because we're too far down the rabbit hole, and I don't yep. have any way out of this problem. Okay, tell people where they can follow you and where they can reach you, because people need to be following you. They need to be reading your stuff, watching your videos, and also where they can buy silver from you and gold from you, because you are the best dealer to deal with. Once you um, get approved, you do everything the old-fashioned way, but it's so much easier than buying online. And I promise you it is because I used to just buy online. And once you get approved with you, it is so much easier. So, you know, it's kind of a thank you for saying those lovely things. I appreciate it. And it's something I've wrestled with for a long time. Now, I am building a new website and it's, it's probably 70% done which for clients who sign up existing clients will have the ability if they wish to buy limitedly anyway on online. Uh, we have chosen to be old school for a very long time because I felt that that's where precious metals belong off the grid, so to speak. Uh, we will make sure for your listeners, Sarah, that they get the best price in the country. And if any of your listeners found a, a better price from a um, a major company show us and, and we'll match it or beat it. It's hard to always stay on top of everyone's changing prices, but we do the best we can. Uh, the best way to, to reach uh, Miles Franklin would be to send a, um, an email to info at Miles Franklin, info Miles Franklin, and make sure the most important part is up in the subject line, say Sarah sent me or uh, uh, Sarah sent me is perfect enough or mention your name and we will make sure that they get the best price in the country and personal service and and remember I live here in Florida but we kept our corporate office in Minnesota because it is the only state in the country where you have to be licensed and bonded and background checked every single year we have never had a customer complaint we're one of only 27 U.S. Mint representatives in the world and we're licensed and bonded maybe the only co company in the country who has all of those um, accolades, if you will, or, or qualities behind their their um, their nameplate, and we're we're very proud of our reputation, and and so honored to be associated with such a wonderful person like yourself. And it's my promise and my pledge to make sure your clients get personal service and the best price. And any specific questions people have, they can reach me too at Andy at Miles Franklin, and I will. Although I get between three and 500 emails a day, we'll always within a day or so reply back personally uh, and make sure your, your clients are getting not just great prices, but personal service and attention. And uh, like I said, our new website will be done sometime this fall. But until then, uh, we are old school, but don't let that dissuade you. Uh, we focus on privacy, on education, and, uh, and we'll make sure you get the best price and personal service. And you know what? You're off the grid. You're off the grid not, if people want to be, and that's important. Not only that, you know, lately it seems like getting a hold of anyone in, in any company is so difficult, and especially with COVID, you can't get a hold of anyone. No one's at their office, and uh, I think you never realize how important it is to have a relationship with someone. I mean, everyone gets my cell phone, who I work with, 
our emails, our brokers are all available by cell phone uh, or at during office hours. We, we, we really focus on accessibility and you never realize how important that is until there's a problem that requires accessibility. So uh, anyone that comes from you, Sarah, they're gonna get the red carpet. You have my promise on that, the best price, price matching um, and personalized service from a company that's been around for 31 years and never had a customer complaint ever, not one. And I'll make damn sure that your listeners aren't the first. Thank you so much, Andy. And you have an amazing rest of your day. You do the same and uh, I'd love to come back anytime, even uh, if something crazy happens, I'm just a phone call away and you have a great day and uh, take care. Thanks for having me on again, Sarah. Mm -hmm.